Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is Pastor Winfred Burns, and you are live with the Word on Wednesday. We thank God for you tonight. Tonight we've just got a, a wonderful time planned. Um, I want to just dive right in. We've got 30 minutes, 30 minutes plus prayer time, to uh, try to finish off Chapter 13. Uh, we've been journeying through Acts, and the, what we've been experiencing is how the word progresses, how the word spreads to the end of the earth. And we've entitled this segment, Whosoever Will, Let Him Come. And so we're going to continue in that vein. I want to give a quick review of last week and then move right into this week. Now, last week, Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark have been commissioned to take the gospel and begin to spread it. They got this word from the Holy Spirit. And so they set out on a missionary journey, and they sailed to the island of Cyprus. They land on the east end of the island, and they evangelize that entire island, moving from the east to the west. And when they get to the western end of that island, they meet up with a proconsul by the name of Sergius Paulus. Last week we told you what the, pro, the proconsul was a bureaucrat. Um, and then um, there they also encounter uh, a magician by the name of Bar-Jesus, Elimas in your, um, Elimas or Bar-Jesus, they're both the same in Acts chapter 13. And Elimas tries to prevent Sergius Paulus from receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul is led by the Holy Ghost to pronounce literally a curse on him. And so Sergius, uh, and so Elimas is now in darkness. He loses his sight for a time. And um, Sergius Paulus was so impressed with the power of God that he became a believer. Now there's arguments as to whether he was a um, whether he was a convert, but the text says he became a believer. And so not only do we assume that he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, but we can, we can go a little further by saying that Sergius Paulus then gives um, uh, Paul and Barnabas uh, um, the instructions or uh, maybe a letter or some kind of introduction that sends them on their way. So literally what God is doing, like we said last week, is it's not a willy-nilly thing. It's, they're not just wandering all over uh, the Mediterranean uh, trying to look for somebody to, to witness to. That God has a plan, and the, his plan begins with them going to Cyprus. And last week we discussed why they went to Cyprus. They went to Cyprus because this was familiar territory. Remember we said that Barnabas was born in Cyprus. That's his home. That's, that's like home turf. And then from there, God opens a door through Sergius Paulus for them to go to their, to their next stop. But before we go any further, what we want to do is 
we want to have a word of prayer. And then we'll pick up right where we left off because we left off uh, at Acts chapter uh, 13, verse 13. So let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. We come to say thank you. We come to bless you. We come to praise you. We come, God, because we need you and we can't get along without you. God, as we go into your word, we we need you as a guide. You said the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. And so, Father, tonight's for your spirit to lead us. We ask for your spirit to teach us. We ask for your spirit to give us the understanding that we need to be pleasing in your sight. God, we, we desire to do your will. We desire to be your servants. We desire to, to advance the kingdom, the kingdom message. And so we ask, God, that you would meet us here in this place. We pray for all who are with us tonight out on the Internet and those who will join us later uh, when, we, when we repost the video. We pray for them. We pray, Father, for their understanding. We pray, Father, that they would get something out of this word that would draw them closer to you, that would help them worship you more with understanding. We thank you and we praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to pick up right at Acts chapter 13, verse 13. Let me get there. And I'm going to be going kind of fast tonight because... We've got a lot of ground to cover, and the way that I'm going to do this tonight is I'm going to uh, do a lot of reading first, and then we'll go back and do the explanation. So I'll begin reading, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version at Acts chapter 13. Now remember, we've already traced the initial journey to Cyprus, and now that's where we're picking up at. So... Uh, Verse 13, now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went out from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia, and on the Sabbath day they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, The rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. And I'm at verse 17 now. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. He gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. 
And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me, one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterance of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. It be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astonished and perish. For I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. As they went out, the people big, begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. 
And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now that was a mouthful. That is the rest of the chapter, uh, chapter 13. And what I want to spend the next minutes doing is kind of breaking this down in outline form so you can see what Paul does when he witnesses in the synagogue at, at Antioch and Pisidia. Now, it's important that, that, that we look at this because one of the things that you'll find out that, that we that we read but you might have missed was in verse um, 13 where it says, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Now, it's important that we point this out right now because this will come up and be a bone of contention later in Acts. John begins a journey with them. John Mark begins a journey with them, but something happens before they get to Antioch, and John says, basically, I'm going home. I'm, not, I'm going back to Jerusalem. I'm not going with y'all any further. And so John leaves them at this point. Mark that down somewhere so you remember when the, when the conversation returns about John leaving them. Now, they have left Cyprus, and, on, and a door has been opened by the Holy Spirit for them to go north. They travel, they take a boat from Cyprus, and they travel northward to Antioch in Pisidia, which actually sits in southern Turkey. If you get a map, if you get a map, you'll see that it's just a, it's, it's basically, I think it's about maybe 150 miles that they journey from, from uh, Cyprus over to Antioch and, and, and Pisidia. But they make that journey, and there they're in the synagogue, and after their regular worship, they're asked to give a word of encouragement. When they give the word of encouragement, Paul stands up, and watch what he does. First of all, he relates to his audience by basically reciting the history the plan of God, the dealings of God with Israel. And he is going to connect everything to the, the promise of God. He, he shows that we are the people of the promise. If you read back through there, and I, I don't want to take the time to read back through, but if you read from, say, verse uh, 16 all, uh, all the way down to um, – Say verse um, 
oh, let's call it 25, you see that he is going to give the history and he is going to make the connections from Moses to David. He, he, go, he takes them literally through the Old Testament. Why is this important? Because be, that's the only word they knew. The New Testament hasn't been written. And Paul is taking them to something that they should be familiar with. And he ties it all together by basically uh, saying to them that, when, that through David, we got Jesus. And it's Jesus who fulfills all of the promises that God gave to the nation of Israel. Specifically what he does is he connects, he connects the promises between David to Jesus. How does he do it? Well, he starts out in verse um Let's see. He starts out in verse, look at verse 32. Look at verse 32. Again, all of the, all, all, before this, all it is is history. And it's a history that the audience is familiar with. You might not be familiar with it, but the audience that Paul is talking to is familiar with it. And he says, he says here, in verse, before I got to 32, let me go to 27. He says, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterance of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfill them by condemning them. Fulfill what? Fulfill the scriptures by condemning Jesus. He doesn't attack them by saying, like, like, like a, um, Peter did. He doesn't attack them like Peter does. Instead, he says to them, he says, what happened with Jesus? And the people that killed Jesus killed him because it was part of God's plan to bring salvation to us. That's the first thing he does. Secondly, he comes in and he connects Jesus to David by going to Psalm 2 and it's where in Psalms 2, you can look at it, it says, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And then he says in uh, verse 34, he says, and as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. One, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Let's stop right there and turn over and say, so what are the holy and the sure blessings of David? Turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7 real quick because, ooh, I am burning my time up tonight. Chapter 7, verse Verse 9, here, this is what it says, and this is God talking. And I have been with you ever you went, 
and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And here's the promise. One, I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. Verse 10, the second thing, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. The third promise, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord, here's the fourth promise, will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down from your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. Now this here it is. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So what does he say? He says this. He says, I'll give you the holy and sure blessings of David. And what are the holy and sure blessings of David? Number one, I'll give you a great name. Number two, I'll give you a, a, my people a place, and I'll give them rest from their enemies. And then finally he says, I am going to establish an eternal kingdom. The word says that the scepter of righteousness shall never depart from the house of David. And so he's already established that Jesus is a descendant of David. Now, let me show you something. First of all, he says, I'll give him a name. What does Philippians 2 and 9, 9 says? He says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, so he's given this son of David a name above every name. That's one. Two, he has prepared a place for us. That In John 14 it says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be there. That's John chapter 14. Now, Hebrews 4 talks about the rest of God. Revelation 21 tells us about the new heaven and the new earth and the eternal rest that we go into. So he is saying that in Jesus, all of these things are fulfilled 
or will be fulfilled. And so Paul is preaching the word from the word to them. Keep going. I got a few more minutes and then I got to start wrapping up. Okay. So he he preaches the word. He shows that Jesus is the son of God according to the scriptures. He not only shows that he's the son of God, but he shows that he is the resurrected son of God. Why? Because he preaches a resurrected Jesus. He preaches and says that that God would not let him see corruption, but on the third day he rose from the dead. And then he said, then he goes for the point of decision. He says, "Now, he says, now look, he says, God is doing a new thing, and he's done something that you can't even believe, and he connects this." with Habakkuk 1 and 5 and Isaiah 29 and 14. Let's go over there real quick. We got, we got a minute. Let's go to Isaiah 29 and 14. It says, Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful, wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. And then in Habakkuk 1, if I can get over there real quick, and 5, it says, Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astonished, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. So what he's challenging them to do is he's challenging them to accept Jesus by faith according to the word of God. He says those who who didn't who, who who participated in crucifying him didn't put it all together. I'm putting it together for you. And then before he gets to that point in Acts, he says something else. He says, look. Verse 38. Look at verse 38 real quick. He says let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Now, in, if you read from the NIV, the NIV doesn't say freed, it says justified. And so what he is saying is that what the law could not do, the law couldn't free you from the power of sin. The law could not justify you because of sin. Sin alienates you from God, but through Jesus Christ, you are made righteous. You are justified. You are declared to be in right standing with God free to come into his presence, free to have fellowship with him, free to, to, to commune with God. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, whose soul has not been lifted up to vanity. And so what Paul argues is this. 
what you are looking for, what you're trying to get from the law, the only thing that the law can do is tell you that you didn't make it. But through Jesus, you receive the righteousness of God. And then he challenges them and says, now, if you believe it, you can enter into his rest. You can be a participate in the thing, in this new thing, and that, that most could, couldn't see coming, but that has happened, you are now a participant. Isn't that something? God has done a new thing, and Paul is preaching in the synagogue, and he receives a warm reception from certain people. You know, in Isaiah chapter 55, you see, a whole lot of times we forget something. But in Isaiah chapter 55, turn over real quick. I'm, I'm getting ready to wrap up. I'm getting close to it. In Isaiah chapter 55, it says this, 55.10, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. Watch this now. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And this is the part that, that sometimes we miss. And shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word will always accomplish its purpose and it will always be successful in the thing that he has sent it to do. So what are we saying? What's all this about? What does this mean to us? Real quickly, when we go on mission, we need to go just like Paul. First of all, what did we learn? Paul was sent on mission by the Holy Spirit. We are sent on mission by the Holy Spirit. What do you mean? What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 28? He says, go. Isn't that what he said? He told us to go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them whatsoever he has commanded them. That's our call to the mission field. And where is the mission field? I'm wrapping 13 up. Now watch this. The mission field that he sends us on is the mission field of open doors. Where is that door opening? Where is that familiar place? Look at where he sent Barnabas to. First of all, Paul and Barnabas. He sent them to a familiar place. So it doesn't mean that you get up tonight and you buy your ticket, buy yourself a ticket to Bora Bora and start going over there. To no, right where you are, in a familiar place. Secondly, what do you do? You share the word of God. What does Paul do? Paul shares the word of God. 
everything that he says, he backs it up with scripture. It has nothing to do with premonition. It has nothing to do with trembling and quivering and speaking in tongues. He expounds to them the truth of God. And what is the truth? God sent his son Jesus to save us from his wrath, to offer us the forgiveness of God that we might become righteous through him. And in becoming righteous, be welcomed as his sons and daughters. That's what God does. That's what a missionary does. He, he or she takes the word of God to the masses, to a familiar place, to through an open door, because now they're in They've gone through an open door at Antioch, Pisidia, simply because they witnessed to Sergius Paulus. God's opening doors for us to witness of his love, to witness of his son Jesus. And we don't preach a Jesus who just died, but we preach a resurrected Jesus whom God did not leave in the grave. And we preach it from the scripture. That's so important. That is so important that we do that. We preach it, we preach what we have encountered. And we tell. And then when we let that word loose, what happens? It accomplishes its purpose. It succeeds in the thing that God has sent it to do. And what did God send the word to do? To gather the people who had faith in Jesus. So he does it. He gets a response. But in getting the response, he also gets resistance, as we learned in the last part of that chapter. And what's the re resistance? Because the Jews see that the people are beginning to follow after Paul. And so Paul then goes and, 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 and he says, I'm going to the Gentiles. And there's a passage that, um, that talks about that. Um, there's a passage in Isaiah where, he, where, where God says, I'm going to send and gather to the Gentiles. That's what Paul does. He says, once the Jews have rejected it, I'm taking this word to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles rejoice in receiving the word. i got to stop here. I've ran probably about three or four minutes over. But we see the implications for our mission. We see implications for the things that God is telling us to do and how to go about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts shows us that it's not of us that we don't give any orders, that it's the Holy Spirit. Acts teaches us that what we do is we preach the word of God. All we've got to do is say, here's what the scripture says. When you give the word, the word is going to accomplish its purpose. Why? Because the word is quick and the word is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. 
and the word will penetrate the hearts of the people, and the word will draw them to them, to God. It's not our, our ability to persuade. As a matter of fact, when we go further into the word, you'll find out that as, a, as an orator, that Paul was deemed not very impressive. So he'll believe it right. He says, no, we didn't come with impressive speech, but we came with a word of power. You see, God backs his word. And so what do we learn, what do we learn tonight? We go where God tells us to go, and we preach his word by his power. And his word will draw those who he wants to come. If you believe. Those who believe in Jesus can be freed from not only the power of sin, but eventually from the presence of sin, and will be enabled to enter into the rest of God. Well, that's it. That's what we have tonight uh, for Acts chapter 13. There's so much more. There's such a rich chapter. I would pray that you would go back and that you would read this chapter, that you would study this chapter some more, that you would pray over this chapter and say, God, you know, because we all have ministries. How does this, with the ministry that you have given me, how am I to use this to advance your kingdom? That's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray that he would give you the understanding of his word that you can do the things that God has called you to do. Hey, let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We thank you for the example of Paul and Barnabas. We thank you for your word. Now, Father, we understand the framework. We understand what you did with them. We understand that we are supposed to advance your kingdom by spreading your gospel. So our prayer tonight is that you would lead us into the mission field that you've assigned us to. You said to, to look upon the fields for they are white with harvest. And that the harvest was plentiful, but the laborers were few. Well, Father, tonight we report for duty. Tell us where to go. Tell us what to do. Put your word in our mouths and in our heart that we might not give an opinion of you, but instead that we would tell them what thus saith the Lord. And not only will we tell them, but we would live it out in front of them. Thank you, O Lord, for this time that we spend together in study and in prayer. Thank you for the leading of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you are doing in our lives. We bless you and we praise you for this medium of Facebook and, and Global Drive Network that allows us to minister all over the land to your people who are hungry for your word. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I will see you next week. Um, at the same time, and we will move right into Acts chapter 14 as we continue in our series of Acts.
and whosoever will, let him come. You have a wonderful, wonderful night, and you be blessed. God bless you all. Pastor Winfred Burns, and you are live.